Hello, I'm Caroline Hansen, and this is Love Parent Love, the podcast. Each episode, I invite my guests to talk about their conscious parenting journey. I ask them to share their stories, experiences and insights, because it's through stories that we learn from one another, and we begin to feel less isolated. My intention is to change the world through parenting, to encourage parents to understand the behavioural challenges of their children so they can develop emotional maturity and create a harmonious family dynamic together. My mission for this podcast is to share the conscious parenting stories of others in order that we can better support one another. Parenting in times of stress can feel desperate and isolated. Conscious parenting is a modern parenting paradigm and as such, it can feel very lonely. It's my hope that these podcasts embolden you to build your conscious parenting toolbox and nourish you to accept and cherish your child and your own chisel. So this is the very first of my podcasts, um, Love Parent Love, and my first guest is Amy Campbell. Amy and I met um, probably about six months ago, maybe as much as nine months ago, um, over Instagram, and we've got to know each other quite well, um, and it's been a pleasure getting to know her. We've got to know each other on our conscious parenting journey together. Um, We've observed each other, and I think we've helped each other out quite a lot too, so it seems appropriate and apt for her to be the first guest here. So welcome, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Um, I want you just to start off, if you could um, introduce yourself and let me know um, the name of your children and their ages um, and then just a little bit of a background about your family dynamic, if you can. Okay, so I am Amy Campbell and I recently moved from Yorkshire to Northern Ireland in June this year and I have got a five-year-old girl and she was she is a surviving twin she's called charlotte she is a surviving twin to her sister esme they were both born three months premature and we lost esme when she was seven weeks old mm-hmm. i then have a son archie who is now three and i am now pregnant with my fourth baby third pregnancy who and this is a baby boy due end of October. Lovely. So you've had quite a journey in the last five years, have you not? And we've talked about it together at length. Um, And parts of it you might want to share in more detail today. Um, But of course, we're talking specifically about the journey of conscious parenting. And I wondered if you could um, share a little bit about when you discovered conscious parenting and what it meant to you. So I've, I've never had a great deal of self, self-esteem, um, but whenever I became a mum, the inner critic in my head and my low self-esteem seemed to plummet. And I, I, I think it, it was a lot of the early days of motherhood were filled with grief and anxiety, um, but also mixed in were, were the joys of actually being a mum of yeah. something which I've loved to be for a long time. Yeah. But as Charlotte grew up, Archie grew up, um, the inner critic became louder and louder. And I 
when Archie was three months old, I went for CBT and learned a lot about my... Oh, can't think of the name of the anxiety. Uh, I can't think of the name. I learned a lot about my. I learned a lot about my anxiety. Yeah. And then whenever lockdown st- and it was all about worrying, the main problem was about worrying about the, about what the future held. Sure. Um, and then as uh, uh, there was two two under two, and Charlotte didn't. Charlotte's got terrible palsy right-sided hemiplegia and didn't start walking until she was 18 months old so there was a lot of worry there but then for in terms of my mental health there was no no matter what I did I questioned it and I felt like I could be doing better if I was making tea I felt like I should be in the kitchen in the lounge playing with them it it just I I was questioning myself all the time and then there was also Pardon? You felt conflicted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Describe it. And then there was some something in me where I had to be outside of the. I had to get out of the house by ten o'clock because the four walls of the house felt too too tall, too dark, too closing in on me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until lockdown struck and the pandemic, whenever I was forced to stay in, that I realised it was my inner voice my anxiety which was keeping me which was forcing me out of the house I I thought it how old were the children at the start of the first lockdown Charlotte was three yeah three and Archie one right yeah gosh that's really young (laughs) yeah it is very young (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not long has passed but three and one sounds sounds intense so um, yeah it's very intense right yeah yeah so the feelings so, that you were having you were feeling a sense of overwhelm about being in the house and mm-hmm. then lockdown hits I mean there's a challenge there's a huge yeah. challenge right yes I fortunately had started psychotherapy the November before lockdown hit. Ah, right. And that was where I started to learn the root of my anxiety. Right. And from then, then then I suppose that eased me into lockdown more gently because I was starting to recognise my triggers Mm -hmm. and where where the inner critic was all coming from. And I was starting to join the dots up as to why I was having those thoughts so it was all starting to make more sense then it was all being put into context you mean mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and then all the way through lockdown one as I would have the same thoughts that I'd had for the for all of lockdown I was then there was then not the get out the house for gymnastics club get out the house for um play group um for preschool the I was forced to stay in the house, but then that also gave me the time and space that I needed to work through all of those thoughts. Yeah. So it was it was challenging, but it was also, I suppose, quite life changing of working through something that I struggled with since becoming a mum. Presumably, uh, there was all interlinked into all of this 
on top of the anxiety is of course the grief that you were dealing with right mm-hmm. the, I think the sometimes they interlinked sometimes it was completely separate right um a lot of it depended on the time of year the girls were born in July and we lost Esme in August yeah um I would I would probably say though that they were fairly separate to be right. honest it was only um um it was how harsh I was towards myself right so how I came across then I started to work through a lot of the, my trauma um losing Esme but also um trauma with my mental health mm-hmm. and then I started to learn about yoga and meditation and self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever I shared it on my stories of needing help with self-compassion because I obviously didn't show myself any right. and knew about it. And I suppose I only knew how to drive myself into the ground. Very, very good at that. <laughs> and that's when you got in touch. And and told me about your conscious parenting course had you heard um, about conscious parenting before i've never heard of it really? never heard of it. i hadn't realized that yeah no it was all completely initially brand new to me but then the more i um the more things i read about motherhood the more podcasts and the book uh the book i wish my parents had read that one um, philippa perry yeah. <laughs> That's the good. orange book the book oh, yeah. read, the book you wish your parents had read and your children will be glad that you did right brilliant book and i yeah. learned about the importance of feelings yes feelings are all completely and utterly brand new to me mm-hmm. i was a i was on archie's level of understanding feelings mm-hmm. i didn't understand that that was my anxiety really of not understanding how i was feeling right because you were making... numbing them or ignoring them or um, I, think, I, I, I think I expected that I should be feeling happiness and um, all the positive emotions, that they were all the good feelings to feel. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I shouldn't be feeling, and I think I saw negative emotions as sadness, unhappiness, stressed. Um, rather than acknowledging them as feelings, I saw them as my life and that wasn't how you should live your life and I was fortunate to have Charlotte which I suppose is where grief interlinks with it Uh and then I'd had another baby Archie that and I was able to be a a full-time mum so then I was like why am I feeling all all these feelings okay so you had lots of comments inside your head about I should be happy, I should be upbeat, I should be thrilled, I should be gratitude, filled with gratitude. Um, and, of course, that wasn't your life. That wasn't your full life because, in fact, it's not anybody's life, right? Mm-hmm. Having those feelings 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. So you were able to move, I gather, into noticing that other feelings are valid and also acceptable and it's all right to have them as part of your life. Yes, and that conscious parenting has been a huge, huge part of that. Not only for understand, like under, I'm a psychotherapy that understanding 
and I suppose making sense, putting reason, I'm quite a deep thinker and I like to understand why I'm feeling those feelings, especially the what, especially less um, positive ones. So, so when yeah. you've, you used to think about it, or you, and I'm, I've no doubt, well, if you're anything like me anyway, even though you understand this theory, it still happens, right? You still have, you're still questioning the thoughts mm-hmm. when they come in, the more negative thoughts when they come in and questioning why they're there and trying to squash them and get rid of them, even though you know that they're just part of daily life, right? Yes. And that's that's been a huge challenge for me of allowing myself to feel sadness, to feel, to recognise, for example, getting them out of the house on a school run, that that is quite a stressful time. And yeah. that is, that's <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> that's what sorry Amy I didn't hear you pardon what did you say then I didn't hear it properly I said that that's okay to feel stressed yeah but that stress feelings might come half nine they will all have passed or as soon as they're in the car <laughs> those will all have passed. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> except when you get a flat tire right oh god don't <laughs> <laughs> didn't that happen to you last week or something yes it did I was uh, about to set off and then my husband opened the gate and then was waving me down and uh, was like got a flat tire I was like sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we all piled out of my car and um into his but then I've learned about self-compassion so couldn't help feeling very smug that I'd left plenty of time for the school run that we <laughs> to pat myself on the back to transfer the car seats from my car to his car and then then it was up to him to uh to drive (laughs) to the car so I sat back and was like lovely school run can you give me an idea Amy so in that situation if you can imagine yourself before you had the the insights that you've had how would you have reacted Oh, I would have, I would have probably had heart palpitations, pins and needles in my hands and feet. Wow. Um, probably going up to my elbows. Um, I would have been wanting to ring school to apologise that we're going to be late. Yeah. I would probably quite short and snappy wow. with the children, with my husband. Um, so I guess I've come a long way in just relaxing that that's a massive shift, right? Yes, it's a huge shift. I hadn't actually realised that or given myself credit for that. But yeah. that's There's your self-compassion kicking back in again. Give yourself credit for it. That's Ew. massive. That, I mean, <laughs> isn't that so much nicer than, you know, uh, giving yourself a hard time? And is it so much nicer to have been able to go... Oh, there we go. Yes, this is hard. Yes, this is difficult. Yes, I'm stressed at the moment, but I know that that feeling will pass. And I know that in like half an hour or five minutes, once we're back in the car again and on our way, that it'll yeah. be done. You know, yeah. it'll be done. And yes, it's okay to to live through these moments of intense overwhelm or stress. Mm-hmm. To trust it's yourself. Not the, not the end of the world. And yeah. the, then then it's a lot easier to come back from them that it doesn't lower my mood and then I'm in a bad mood for or a stressed mood for a long time where my head feels all scatty and unable to concentrate on what I'm doing 
I tend to want to do a million jobs at once whenever I feel like that. Right. Um, so your response so, to it is to make yourself super busy. Yes. Yeah. Which I, that's a, the, a challenge for me is sitting, relaxing, mm. not doing um she sounds blessed but I find it really hard yeah no I'm the same you know as soon as I've got I feel overwhelmed and stressed I'm like make myself busy sort things out organize things get on top of things get in control and actually I'm just numbing the feelings that I've got I'm trying to pretend that they don't exist by making myself you know feel better about myself by being busy and making people need me and you know it's a mm-hmm. oh it's a tendency that is very very hard to break mm-hmm mm-hmm yes yeah, it is. And the, another thing that's coming to my mind here is that that learning that accidents happen and rather than making a big deal of it whenever it happens, being just like, oh, it's okay, it's just a mistake, mm-hmm. that, that'll, um, it, that's, all, that's all right. And I think that's, I've learned a lot from the conscious parenting um, of how it's to, to look at the bigger picture, that mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. <laughs> and it sounds really, I don't, is it cliche? But I, I, we had spilt milk this morning. Is it don't cry over literally, milk. literally, <laughs> literally? I and I was really chuffed with myself. Dropped Charlotte off at school. Had time to go and get some blister plasters to wear in my Doc Martens. <laughs> <laughs> then went to the spa to get some milk and then I just chucked it in the footwell of the car Archie that we then had a bit of time before we dropped Archie off and he was playing with a ball and he couldn't find his ball anywhere so I was like right get out the car look for this ball and as he opened the back door the milk fell out the car and smashed so I had to embarrassingly across the whole car park of new new potential mum friends (laughs) (laughs) bottle of milk <laughs> then I was like it's okay disasters happen and then what was funny was then I was then whenever I dropped Archie off went and collected my bottle of milk in a bin bag that I had to ask the teachers for <laughs> <laughs> and um, this other mum was like oh that reminds me I gave my son a carton of milk to, for him to play with, anything for an easy life. And then she went into a, the back of her car and lifted out a milk. So we both stood there with a carton of milk. <laughs> things ha- these, these things are just part of everyday life. Whereas before I would have really been like, are you idiot, Amy, for dropping the milk? Right. Or we could have just put it in a safe place and been really harsh against myself. So uh, I was... Did you find in that moment you were concerned about what other people thought? Um, the, the my initial reaction was not to get milk on my new DMs. Right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> the, that was my initial one. But then I yes, I was hugely. The, there was a lot of thoughts as I walked across the car park with with the spilt milk with the cart of spilt milk that they'll think that I am this uh, this dizzy girl, right? Um, who. Who make who make mistakes, but I I think I'm just uh, I'll make mistakes, but where they'll be like, oh, that would only happen to you, and now maybe that would only happen to me, but that feels okay. Yeah, yeah. It's I can see the funny side of it rather than being like I don't want to be that girl. Yeah. Um. So 
Do you think that's a level of acceptance of yourself a little bit more, a little bit more of coming to love who you are rather than who you want to be? Yeah, and I had a really beautiful conversation with my husband about that. Not my husband, my cousin, um, about losing keys. And he's like, that's just who I am. I can walk out the house and I've lost the keys because I'd done exactly the same thing. And he was like, don't worry, I do it all the time. It used to really annoy me. Now now I've just accepted that I tend to lose keys. Well, there's another part of the self-compassion thing, isn't it? Right? That you, you're not on your own, that other people are the same. Mm-hmm. And it's a question of finding your tribe, working with your strengths. So what are the things that you're good at? And rather than, you know, giving yourself a hard time about the things that you're not so good at, you know, letting those things go. Not to, Why do we spend so much of our lives trying to improve the things that we're not so good at rather than focusing on the things that we are good at, the things that we're really strong at and capable of? Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge journey. Isn't it just? Mm-hmm. It's always the simple things as well that it, that I tended to beat myself up of and then you, someone else will do it and you'll not give them, you won't think twice about them no, doing it. of course you won't. No, you wouldn't even think about it, you know, a minute later. Whereas if you've done something and you're giving yourself a hard time, you'll think about it for some 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, two hours. You know, I've had conversations in my head. I wish I'd done that differently and I wish I'd said it differently. What help is that? You know. No. And then that's, I felt, has been massively reflected on my parenting of, of feeling far more relaxed about it rather than wanting to change it or it to be different um and I, th- I think that can that goes as don't know if I'm going totally off on a tangent here but it can go as deep as wanting things to I suppose I'm talking about Charlotte's cerebral palsy here mm-hmm. or how it was a he had to be so patient with her in terms of sitting walking standing and wanting that to be speed up or to look different or desperate to know she'll be able to achieve it I don't know where I've come from no this is lovely I love where you're going with this because it's part of the we have an expectation of who our children will be right we imagine them maybe before we have children but certainly you know in their first early years of them being something very specific and then they're not and Mm -hmm. we have to do we either accept that and love them for who they are or we fight it and and I suspect that there's part of you that's that's fighting what Charlotte is challenged with and the you know that you've got to the responses that you need to find on a daily basis am I right or am I have I got that yeah I think it's the the expectation and and part of it's I think part of what I expected motherhood to be and then as you come across all the firsts, like going to school or um, doing things, and then um, or just their physical or mental development. Yeah. And what I there's a wonderful book by Clover Stroud called My Wild Sleepless Nights. Oh, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah, but I, I really love it, and she talks a lot about um, trusting your children to be who they are and you you can't mold them or change them Mm. and I love I love that approach so much and that's massively I suppose the (laughs) the tedious link here going back to me 
having more self-compassion, understanding that it's okay to spill milk <laughs> in front of <laughs> lots of new school friends. Whereas with and with Charlotte, um, she, she lost herself again. <laughs> <laughs> no, you mean it's, you're, I'm following you. I'm with you. Absolutely. That you've. You've got you to be kind to yourself, and to be kind to to be kind to yourself means that you can then be kinder to your children. So you come to a place of acceptance yes. more easily. And yeah, that place of acceptance now feels exciting. Right, it's really wonderful that I'm now not trying to wish her to walk, wish her to yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. run as fast as the others. Like the the heartache whenever. I see her maybe not catching up with the others or I absolutely, my heart went out to her this morning, but then I absolutely loved that she was playing TIG and she was sprinting mm-hmm. and the girl was walking, trying to TIG her. But I was like, she is there. She is loving it. She yeah. is having a great time. There is nothing standing in her way. And I was like, yes, Charlotte, go. Yeah. Because that's and your so- heartache rather than hers, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's separating the two, which is very, very difficult. But it's it it it's also a really refreshing feeling where I realise, hang on, she's living her life. She is absolutely bossing her life, and I now need to totally trust her, and I can. She, she, she's nailing it and then now it's what I had of the acceptance or the expectations that that's my thoughts um about her and they can disappear <laughs> they, they don't need to be there you can let them go totally right mm-hmm. yeah you can let them go and let her do her thing isn't yeah. that lovely isn't that amazing for her uh-huh. I, I love it uh, I I love that new way of thinking. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, that translates on so many different levels. You know, it's from, you know, the comparison that we start with right at the very beginning. My child's sleeping through the night. My child's not. My You know, my child's uh, eating broccoli. My child's not. My, you know, the, the comparison thing is so unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Right? Hard. Really hard not to get involved in that web so Uh, yeah but once if if you have if I have snippets of the day or moments when I catch myself just being us Hmm. then that then builds on strength to escape the web (laughs) brilliant absolutely spot on that point when I catch myself in those moments of just being us that's being fully present right that's we're here Mm -hmm. we are in this moment, this is our experience right now. No consideration of the past, no consideration of the future. The pure joy that happens in those moments when we're able to stop and just relish, right? Yeah, most treasured moments of motherhood. They're sure. the moments which I love. Now for me, I know what my, my strategies are to try and make those seconds become 10 seconds or 50 seconds or you know, maybe I might manage a, a minute of it. What do you use? What are your strategies to try and get in the moment to really be present with your kids? Um, I think what I learned 
from the from your course was giving setting aside time like if if they if i know like saying right and then i'm all yours um or i just lost you on the connection there you started saying that oh, <laughs> my internet must have gone down so you said um i learned that setting aside time and then i missed the next little bit that you said sorry so i said if i'm in a in the middle of a job mm-hmm. with like washing up or something which i know that will play on my mind if I'm uh, something which I know will stop me being fully present with them, mm-hmm. then I'll say, give me two minutes. I'm going to finish this job and then I'm all yours. Mm-hmm. Or if I realize that I can leave that job, I'll say, right, five minutes, I'm all yours. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? And a huge part of conscious parenting has taught me that play doesn't have to last all day, which right. started down was what I used to think. I used to think that my children needed me all day, that I had to play with them all day. And if I wasn't playing with them, if I wasn't with them, then I I wasn't doing a good enough job. Mm -hmm. And then conscious parenting has taught me that two minutes of my time with them, five minutes of my time with them, where I'm fully engaged and present. And the more that I've set aside those five and two minutes of play, then I can... in integrate that into my life into my parenting so whenever I realize that they need all of my attention mm-hmm. I'll stop what I'm doing and I will fully listen to them and yeah. work out their problems and then it doesn't most of the time it doesn't take to, it doesn't take a long time at all they just need to be heard mm-hmm. um or needed a cuddle or needed help or needed Barbie's clothes putting on or something that will make them go on to the next stage of their play. But what's also been really lovely is that recognition that they don't need me all the time. And when they're happily playing, Keep talking. When, they're, when they're happily playing, I can do what I need to do. There still is that little in a voice in my head saying, oh, I should be playing with them. I shouldn't be doing this. But then I'm like, no, I catch myself on saying, no, Amy, look, they're in the middle of a game. They don't need you. Mm. If they need you, they know that they can come and get you. So let them play. Don't interrupt them. Mm. And if you do need to go out somewhere, just tell them, well, I'm just in the, I'm just in the garage if you need me. I'm just, I can't say downstairs anymore because I'm in a bungalow. <laughs> I'm just in a-, a flat house, isn't it? Not called a flat house. Flat house. Yeah. Why do we live in a flat house, Mummy? I've got to close the windows next to me because the the school across the road is uh, playtime. Hold on, keep talking. <laughs> oh, what they want to say. There we go. Yeah, five. five yeah, I'll just wait. <laughs> no, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry. Um. Sorry about that. The kids next door make such a racket when they come in the playground, and I can't. You wouldn't be able to be heard, I'm afraid. Okay. So yeah, so taking five minutes to to spend with them and to to connect with them, that's your that's what you've been using to to get present. Yes. yes. And then I can apply that to more parts of the day whenever I know that I can just leave whatever I'm doing and I can whenever they it tends to be whenever they need me. 
So if they need me, I know that I can give them all of my attention Mm -hmm. and then they go off and do whatever they need to do. Yeah. And they're they're the present moments which um, are important to them, which makes any guilt of whenever I'm feeling like I should be doing more easier to squash. Or easier to let go rather than squash, right? Easier to let go of the guilt. Yes, that's probably a much more helpful way yeah. of doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I envy you in ways that you've got uh, younger children and that you're setting these, um, you're setting down this bedrock, this foundation of listening to them. And it's something that I've learned more recently. And, you know, as you know, my eldest is 19. Um, and when he was five and three, um, I didn't, I didn't stop and listen in quite the same way, and I didn't, yeah. you know, do give him give him space to to uh, tell me how he was feeling. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's wonderful that you're putting these um, foundations in now. It's making me think. I wonder if you mind sharing the story of um, of Archie last night. <laughs> yes, even funny enough, he was coming to my mind as well because he frequently tells me that I'm not listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to them well of course life isn't like that where I can stop and listen all the time but whenever I realize that everything is just all going to escalate unless I do listen to them um but last night they uh they're 32 weeks pregnant now so come quarter past eight at night I was definitely more than ready to just sit down but they kept taking it in turns to come into the lounge and talk to me so by the time uh, Archie had come in, asked for his policeman box, gone back into his bedroom, then come back out again, needed the toilet, then gone back in. I went to go and took him into his a bed. a glass of water as well, probably, right? <laughs> oh, yes, and a little glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> Terribly thirsty at that time of night. Yeah, always. Uh, so I took, went to go and took him back into bed and he'd stuffed all his things from his policeman box into between his duvet sheet and his duvet so I was trying to remember my conscious parenting and being like Archie I just I really really care about you and I just want you to have a good night's sleep but obviously I was not in a very calm place of mind (laughs) shaking the duvet up and down and then I shook all the toys the wrong of the duvet and shook, shook the toys back down to get them all out and then by the time I'd done that, and Archie was just sat up in bed, going, Mummy, you are hurting my feelings. I just feel so cross. You not listening to me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And then I was like, I was like, right. I was like, well, that was, that was, that was huge. <laughs> um, but I was still so, like, annoyed that I still wasn't sat down watching TV. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Yes, I do feel. Cr- uh, then I apologize. I apologized. I said, "Yes, I'm sorry, Mummy is feeling cross." And then I would probably turn into a two-year-old and two-year-old Archie and was like, "I feel cross because you're not listening to me." <laughs> <laughs> and then I then I remembered like, so what are we going to do about this? Um, and so we agreed eventually agreed that we would set aside five minutes 
before bed of playing with a toy. Well, actually, this was my suggestion, but I don't actually know if he agreed to it. But Charlotte, who was happily listening into the entire thing, was like, this sounds like a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> she's going to yeah. clock up for it. Let's let's play with the let's play with the with the toys before we go to bed. I was like, oh man, never go. <laughs> so I'm going to start bedtime early. I'm going to have five minutes playing with a toy with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Five minutes playing with a cho- some toy with Archie, and then if I try and get out of bed to go and get a toy, I'll be like, no, this is what we do at that time. Yeah. So what's lovely in that is that he told you how he was feeling. You told him how you were feeling, and together, well, maybe not quite together, but maybe together, you made a decision about how you were going to solve it and how what you were going to do moving forward. And, of course, if you make that decision together, then you've got Archie's buy-in, right? And he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Okay, I'm happy with that, that solution. Um, <laughs> but the lo- so lovely that he told you how he felt. And in telling him how you were and how what you were feeling... Of course, you're making it okay for him to tell you how he feels because you're giving him mm-hmm. you're giving him the tools to say, "This is how I feel right now. It's not great. I'm not on form. You're not pretending you're all right. You're not going, oh yes, yes, that's great. Of course, of course, and calming yourself down and putting a smile on your face when you're not actually feeling that way. You're being mm-hmm. authentic and being authentic about what's going on for you is a really critical part of allowing them to be authentic about what's going on for them. And mm-hmm. one of the things, you know, as you're saying about listening and wanting to listen all the time and wanting to be present all the time, I recently read that, and I, I read it somewhere else, so this might be um, a nominal number, but it's something about the right level, that if you're engaging 35% of the time with your child, then you're allowing full brain development. So, you know, it doesn't have to be even 50% of the time. You know, the mm-hmm. 35 it might be... 25 it might be 45 I don't know exactly but certainly it doesn't need to be more than half the time you know it's quite a a small number but it's the quality of the time that you're spending with your child that matters so it's the quality of the engagement and the presence which is relevant Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's really helpful because then we can settle knowing that we're not actually causing any damage to our children and you know if you think on an evolutionary basis you know you go back 300 years there's no way that a mother could be 100% attentive to their child because they would be you know taking care of other children they'd be in survival mode there are various other things that would be really important now we're not living 300 years ago we're living now we have a lot more understanding of psychology and of science and of brain development and so on not an awful lot we're still in the very early stages of it of course but um i think it's it's important to recognize that it doesn't need to be all the time yeah that's so important guilt is is fine you know, it's not just making ourselves feel better. It's actually, it's a good thing to teach them. Yeah. Also, to teach them boredom and to teach them independence and to say, you know, go away and do things off your own. Let your brain work. Let your imagination work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that especially um, the more that they wanted to, like the, the TV, that's been a huge, a huge um, part of me thinking oh the tv's on too much or they're watching too too much tv yeah. and then i think it, and then having the confidence which i've learned from yourself of saying great i now feel uncomfortable that the tv's been on for too long let's go and do something else yeah um that's that's been a big game changer good to hear i'm noticing the time and i'm aware obviously you've got uh, you've got these lovely bands to go and pick up shortly 
Um, mm -hmm. And Amy, as part of the preparation for the podcast, I asked you if you would feel comfortable writing a letter to your younger self um, and to address it as though it was a, um, a teaching gift to younger parents. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that lovely letter, uh, I invite you to read it out to us now, please. Okay, here we go. Dear Amy, motherhood is a huge journey. It is full of joy, pride, anxiety, worry, exasperation, pure happiness. In fact, it's full of every single feeling, sometimes what feels like all at once. It is not just about mothering and parenting your children, but equally it is about finding yourself, learning about what makes you the happiest, proudest girl on this planet. I'm going to get emotional reading this. Very emotional. More more often than not, this will be the simple pleasures of life that before becoming a mother, you did not give a second thought to. Learning to, watching them learning to sit, stand, walk, being held, holding someone that just needs, wants you, just the way you are. Their smiles, their inquisitiveness for explore, exploration, their eye contact with you. Actually, just what, just watching them being them does it. But it is also about learning how to navigate through the most challenging moments in your life, whether that be through grief, mental health or everyday life, when all you want is five minutes to yourself, but you are being pulled and stretched from every physical and emotional angle. But each day you will do it because you will learn about what love really means and feels like. And to love, whether it be your family or learning to love yourself, is all you need. Take good care of yourself. Love me. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> that was quite emotional to read. That was lovely. Thank <sighs> you for sharing it. That's okay. Thank you. Um, Amy, thank you for thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your time today for doing this with me, for holding my hand as I start on this new venture. I'm really, I wish really you grateful. And um yeah, thank you. You'll be incredible. You are incredible. <laughs> Get away with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks okay. very much. Thank you. Recording stopped. We did it. We did it. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> emotional mess. <laughs> thank you. Is that all right? I think so. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Sorry about I the windows. Did you wonder what I was doing? Because <laughs> I, I keep, I meant keep talking. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, my mind's gone. I, <laughs> I don't think I'll edit any of that out, to be honest, because I think it's just normal. That's uh -huh. right. I think yes. I'll just keep it as it is. Uh huh. I think it's still recording.